Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Danny K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 263, and I'm calling it Decluttering and Organizing Together with Mike Willen Smith, author of Welcome Home. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll call it. Anyway, um, I am talking to Mike Willen Smith. You might have heard of her before as The Nester. She's kind of a big deal on the internet. Anyway, um, I, a couple of years ago, met Mike Willen. I actually went to her house. She has a, an event called the Nest Fest, which of course is canceled this year because, you know, everything's canceled this year, but she invites different authors to come. And it's, it's kind of, I, I'm just going to say this before we get started. I love Mike Willen so much because she is quite literally one of the like most genuinely kind and nice people that I've ever met. I mean, okay, so here's here's a little bit of the story. A couple of years ago, I guess it was probably about six months before I went to her house, which would have been about two and a half years ago, whatever. Uh, I, I got an email from one of you guys that she had talked about my books in her newsletter. And I was like, oh, well, I subscribed to her newsletter as well. And so I went and I looked and I was like, oh, wow, that's a big deal. Like, I think she even said something in there like, um, this author doesn't know who I am. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're the master. (laughs) Anyway, um, but it it was, I, I was really honored because you guys, I struggle with thinking I don't have anything to offer to people who are really competent at making their homes look beautiful. Okay. And so I that that's one of those things where sometimes I'm like, Oh, well, they wouldn't want to hear anything I have to say. And so when she put that out there, like she loved my books, and she didn't know that I totally knew who she was. Um, it, It was just a real honor to me. And she's been always been so incredibly kind. And the reason I say that is because I know that a lot of you guys, first of all, there are a lot of you listening who are amazing at making your homes look beautiful. Okay. And so I want to remind myself that um, there are a lot of people who relate to what I say, whose homes look beautiful. But I also want to make sure that those of you who maybe are like me and go, I'm... I'm not the person who makes my home look beautiful, you know, that we need to get over ourselves a little bit. (laughs) And because I I mean, really, it's, it's, it's one of those things where people go, I'm so humbled to be honored. And you go, really? Are you really humbled? It it does. It makes me, it's humbling to me. I'm sorry, Michael. And if you're listening to this part and you go, Dana, seriously, you're embarrassing yourself, whatever. But really though, it's humbling to me when, when I realize I have something to offer and not because and I'm not saying that as a humble brag. I'm saying like, sometimes I hold back from offering something to someone else, because I think, oh, they don't need that from me. I'm pretty sure I'm rambling. It's going to be so much more coherent when Michael is speaking, because she's going to talk about decorating, but we talk a lot about organizing, we talk about 
some of the ways that, I mean, she, she just has a real way of explaining things in a way that I think you're going to like. Um, I'm honored that she's on my podcast. Um, her new book, Welcome Home is beautiful, but she's so down to earth about this kind of stuff. I mean, she's so down to earth. And so you do what makes you happy, but also here's some real actual practical step-by-step tips to help you really feel confident in decorating your home. Anyway, most of y'all probably know who she is. I know I'm sure some of you don't just because, you know, the world's a big place, but that's what this podcast is about. So without further ado, here we go. Here's the nester. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Oh, I am so happy to be here, Dana. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I love, is this your office that I'm seeing on the video? This is my office behind me. And I'm so glad you're only seeing this because you can almost not walk in the rest of the room today. (laughs) Well, I think, what are people calling it? Zoomscaping now? That it's like, (laughs) I I mean, like that is a huge, in my private Facebook group, that is a huge topic of conversation is, okay, my kid has to Zoom. I have to Zoom. I've got to have five different Zoom spaces in my home, you know, where I know what the background is and let me just introduce you real quick. I'm sure I probably went back and said it in the intro, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You are my Quillen Smith, known as the Nester. uh, And you have a book coming out called Welcome Home, correct? I do. Yes. What's, what's your little elevator pitch for your book, for this book? I'm still not good at that, but I'll tell you the subtitle. It's a cozy minimalist guide to decorating and hosting all year round. Right. And it's divided up into seasons and I love that. And we're going to talk about that because seasonal decorating can be exciting, but also a trap, especially for my people. Um, (laughs) So we're talking about that, but so you wrote a decorating book and I've been in your house and it's beautiful and you're like the decorating guru of the entire internet. So like, do you get stressed out over zoomscaping? No, not at all. I'll tell you why, Dana, because my tagline, my overall tagline of everything is it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. And that covers a multitude of sins. Actually, that means I have lowered the expectations so much that there better be some imperfection in there or else I'm not giving the people what they want. And so I'm so grateful that I started off with that. I mean, first of all, I believe it. But secondly, it just changes everyone's expectation. Okay, so let's talk about that because so I always talk about my people and where we're coming from. So the idea of not needing to be perfect is very appealing, but it's also very scary because most of us are not talking about letting someone see a basket of laundry on the couch. We're talking about like piles of laundry covering every surface, you know, not all of us because we're all at different points in this journey. Thankfully, I'm not there anymore, but I do have laundry on my recliner right now, even though I'm so against that because my daughter was doing her own laundry and was like, what am I going to do with this? And I said, just put it on the recliner because I don't have time right now. I mean, so it, it happens, but I know there was a time in my life where it was not just a matter of not letting someone in because it wasn't perfect, but not letting someone in because it was a real source of shame. So how do you, like, what's your advice in that situation? I think you, I love how you just go straight to the point of it. And I think (laughs) we all have, we all have different levels of that. 
you know, and just because maybe visually someone else's home might seem more cluttered or untouched or messy, that person could experience the same amount of shame as someone whose house maybe to us looks pristine. So you almost, you can't even measure the shame that way because it's not a shame contest. It's, I think it's a combination of number one, how we feel about our own home and then how we perceive others to feel feel about it. And so if we can kind of uh, get to a point where we feel good about both of those things, I think that's the goal. So I know for my friends, if they have laundry everywhere, I love my friends. So I I don't care. Like I just, I want to know them. And if that's them, then I'm okay with that because I love them. And I feel confident that my friends feel the same way about me. I totally, truly do. And it took me I'll tell you one time, I'll just go, let me go ahead and take over. I'm going to tell you a story. Do it. <laughs> so <Just> tell me. <laughs> years ago, when Chad and I were first married, we were renting this crazy, it was like one of the oldest houses in Macon, Georgia. It's a really, really old house, like 1800s built. And the bathrooms, like every room was crazy, especially, you know how kitchens and bathrooms are. But the house was kind of an embarrassment to me. And um, we lived in a town where there was not only an attorney school, but there was a doctor school. So somehow all our friends were coming of age, doctors and attorneys, and my husband was a school teacher, and I'm staying home having babies. So um, I went with a friend of mine whose husband was studying to be a doctor, and she had a beautiful new home. And she was dropping me off from like a, a day together, and she asked if, we, if she could use my bathroom. And I told her no. And I didn't tell her no, because I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't tidied up, but that was not my source of shame. For me, my source of shame was like my house wasn't good enough. And I will tell you, it is one of my biggest regrets because really what I was telling my friend is I do not trust you. I do not trust you with where my life is right now and who I am right now and what we can afford and what God has given us, all of those things. I wasn't just saying I'm embarrassed in my bathroom. I was saying you cannot be trusted with me, with the truth of my story. And uh, that's a horrible thing to tell a friend. And the truth was she could have been trusted. You know, the people that can't be trusted are not dropping me off after a fun day together and giving me a hug in my driveway. I had to learn that for a long time uh, to get to the place where I 100% believe not only does it not have to be perfect to be beautiful, if you want true friendship, it better not be perfect. I love that. You know, and, and I don't think I've told this story before, but I had a friend who I dropped her off at her mom's house. I don't want to give too many details, but, and her mother was a hoarder, like legitimate. And I asked if I could go to the bathroom and I can remember the panicked look on her face, but she let me go. And it was the time that I saw what she had vaguely described as her upbringing. And I still loved her. And I still loved her mom. You know, like I, I, I think your story, I can relate to because I have hidden from the doorbell. I have come up with excuses. But I also have been on the other side of that and have been into she was embarrassed to let me come in and, um, and it didn't change anything, you know, and in a lot of ways it made me go, okay, well now I get what you're really dealing with here. Um, right. So anyway. Okay. Well, we just and got kind of sad. I know. Well, and there's a difference between like apologizing for your house and like acknowledging the truth. And yeah. so I've tried to move away from like, Oh, I'm so sorry. It's such a mess. Like, you know what? We live here. 
but I, sometimes if, you know, we live in a fixer upper, sometimes there are exposed, uh, there's a staircase without a railing. And so I will, I think it's different just to acknowledge like, Hey, this is what is happening. Just FYI. We, so we all know. <laughs> That's one of the things I try to teach people too, and that I try to do and that has changed things in my relationships has been because I did used to pull the clean for three days straight and then say I didn't have time to clean. Like that's what I used to do uh, because I was embarrassed and I wanted to cover all my bases of anything that I missed or whatever I didn't get perfect. Where now I'm much more willing to say, this is a real struggle for me. I'm really struggling with this or, uh, you know, and I think people don't always know how to take honesty <laughs> but ultimately the good ones respond well to it, I think. So this episode is sponsored by Butcher Box. Y'all know I love having my freezer stocked with meat. When it comes to meat, quality matters. With low quality meat, you'll often get meat that is off flavor. And honestly, I can tell a huge difference in texture, which is why it's important to get high quality, humanely raised meat. It's better for you, better for the animal, better for the environment, and it just tastes better. I love a good steak, and my husband has gotten so good at grilling steak. So having high quality, better tasting meat delivered right to my door means that when a random Saturday turns out to be the perfect day to grill, we have what we need already in the freezer. ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high quality meat right to my home. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh, it's shipped frozen and vacuum sealed so it stays that way. I love how it's frozen when it gets to me because it's packed with dry ice and it's individually packaged. So I just stick it in the freezer. There's no work or prepping for me to do. That's my favorite part. And I can customize my box or go with one of theirs. Either way, I get exactly what I want. Right now, Butcher Box is offering new members ground beef for life. That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of their subscription. Just go to butcherbox.com slash slob. That's butcherbox.com slash slob. Let me get into my questions I wrote down to try to be a good interviewer here. Okay, so <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit more about the imperfectionist mindset because um, let's talk about your bookshelves because books get my people real riled up and I go ahead and talk about it anyway. Um, as far as the limits to books and all that. And one of the things that I talk about <laughs> is the container concept, as you know, because you're so supportive. Thank you for being so I love supportive it. of what I do. But um, the bookshelf being a limit and not stacking books on top, but you have beautiful bookshelves and you do stack books on top. So where is that balance? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, well, first of all, your container concept changed my life, Dana. <laughs> I don't know why something so brilliant and obvious I, I never thought of. And so I think it's one of the, like, it's like a thin place so close to heaven that you have touched to. <laughs> I love it. And I used it. I mean, I even talk about it in my book. I use it for Christmas decor, all of that. And I love your bookshelf. I like that you have, I think we both and what we teach, we have our own kind of 
set of rules. Like this is, this is where it begins and ends. You have to have those limits. But for me, the top of the bookshelf is another shelf. So I'm okay with that. And I'll tell you, let's, let's talk about who you're dealing with. I'm very visually motivated. Right. And so that is how I make judgments. As long as it looks pretty, I'm okay with stacking stuff up there because I feel good about my house. If it, I can deal with, I don't mind clutter as long as I don't, if it, if it looks like it's never been thought through, that's what bother, bothers me more than like a messy table. So okay, well, let's me, stop real quick because what you just, what you just said was it has been thought through. So even though something is perhaps breaking a rule, you've thought through and decided why you're doing that. So like, I'm going to describe your bookshelves that you post, which are beautiful and they are color coordinated. Um, right. What do you call it? Rainbowetical? Rainbowetical order. In <laughs> yes. In my office, my books are in rainbow order. Is that why you and there's chose a reason for that? Okay. That, tell me. And let me. Let me defend myself. Cause they're like, people get so conscious. First of all, I write books, so I'm allowed to break the rules with books, but um, <laughs> because I am so visually minded, I can remember the color of a book. Like your book has pink and orange on the outside. You know, like mm -hmm. I can find a book by the spine. I think we all need to organize our home in a way that it serves us the best. And so if, if having your books in rainbow order helps you, whether that helps you find stuff or maybe makes you happy because it looks pretty to you. And I'm a believer that everything out in our house is a decoration, whether we like it or not. I am decorating right now with this McDonald's cup, whether I like it or not, <laughs> especially if it stays there for three weeks, which I have the tendency to do, you know, like my Goodwill stuff will sit in my bedroom floor for six weeks. And suddenly I'm like, oh, I've been decorating with that for a month and a half. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So yeah, the rainbow order works for me, but that doesn't mean everyone should do it. But I do believe that, you know, we're the boss of our house. And so we should get to decide what works for us. Well, and I think what I see, because it's beautiful, the way that you do it is beautiful. I just get scared that it's not going to look beautiful for me. But what I'm hearing you say is you're looking at the overall bookshelf itself as a decoration. And because you look at it that way, you stack a few books and it, it's not stuffed in. So I don't want, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll link to your Instagram and maybe a, I'll find one of your posts where, you know, you show your rainbowetical bookshelf so people can know what we're talking about. But it's beautiful and it's art. And so you're not shoving it in, you're putting it on there because you like the way it looks. Is that right? That is right. And because even though books are meant to be read, the majority of the time that I own a book, it is not being read. It is being on display. And so I, you know, I totally okay. believe in having storage that is hidden. And some things we store and they're on display. And if something is on display in my house, I want to enjoy it and I want it to look pretty. And so that's why I do rainbow books. Someone else might find more beauty in all mixed up color books or their books in alphabetical order. And that's fine. They should do that. Well, I think there's a lot of value in that, in the aesthetic of it. And so I want to talk quickly about, well, not quickly. We can talk for however long we have. Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about the idea of how decorating helps you not have clutter. So I don't know if you've seen or not, but you know, I had some friends come over and they helped me decorate my living room. And it changed everything for me. 
you know, and I have a podcast um, that I did soon after that about, you know, just this fine line between decor and clutter. And it's just kind of, it's, it's hard for me and it scares me because I've had so many times when I tried to decorate and then turned around three weeks later and all of a sudden it was a pile, you know. And so tell me how you view decorating as a way to go toward this, you know, minimalist. And when I say you call yourself a cozy minimalist, which is what I love. It's like you have just enough and you can explain this yourself, but this is the way I see it is you have just enough to have the look that you want and you don't have to have everything. So where's that line and how do you navigate that line and how do you teach other people to navigate that line? between well, decor and clutter. First, let me say this. I'm not a decluttering expert. You are my decluttering mentor. <laughs> but I do think there's a section of both of our communities who probably think like me, who are like really visually minded, and who sometimes, I almost call it backwards decluttering, because what I used to do was, I used to think, okay, I need to declutter my whole house, and then I can like decorate it and finish it. Yes. But I wasn't motivated by that. I actually found that if I decorated the house or like I take, I have to take it room by room. I cannot do the whole house. Oh my okay. gosh, I would have to burn it down. One room at a time. If I can get that decorated and I just have to get the clut, I get everything out of the room. I call it quieting the room. And I, I make another room twice as crazy. But that is a <laughs> limited thing because what happens is if I can get a room looking visually the way I like it, that is the motivation that I need to keep it that way. It's not like decluttering it and now like all the stuff I wasn't sure if I needed or not was gone. I had to convince myself first by finishing the room visually that I didn't need that stuff. And so that was my big hang up as a declutterer mm -hmm. was that um, I might need it someday. So I had this big, that's why I can, for me, that's why I can't get rid of things because I'm afraid I might need it someday. We haven't always had much money to spend on anything. And so my fear, and we moved a lot, when you move a lot, you find that, you know, well, I didn't use this dresser then, but like in my next house, I might really need it. And guess what? A lot of times I have, but what that taught me was like to hold on to everything. And a lot of people declutter when they move. Oh no, no, no. That's when I didn't get rid of stuff because I was so afraid I would need it, you know, in the next house. And I'm also really good as are, I think a lot of us at like finding great deals, but I almost had to switch that on myself and say, you know what, if you're so proud of the great deals you can find, why can't you trust that you can find those again in the future? Yes. And that paired with um, me cozy minimalizing a room and being like, oh dear Lord, this looks amazing. Like the solitude, the quiet of this room even though it's like finished with decor, I have drapes, I have rugs, I have the surfaces, the seatings that I need, I have the art on the walls I like. Getting run, one room done was all the motivation I needed to declutter because then I could see the pile of stuff I didn't use. And I'm like, well, I don't want to clutter the room up. And that's what gave me like the confidence that I could get rid of things. So I have to finish a room first before I feel confident that I can let stuff go. I can totally see that. And I think that you know, in my experience, the maintaining is so much easier when the decor is decided. Like it, I, yeah. I'm confident, like this is done. This, this is how this room is supposed to look. I can actually take an after picture. Yes. I can maintain it because I have something to go back to. That's like one of the things I talk about with when my kids were little and I was just starting going from total chaos 
to try, you know, my kids didn't even know what a room was supposed to look like. Like they didn't have any concept of this is what mom means when she says pick up the living room, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which I think decor really helps with that. Let's talk about one of this episode's sponsors, BetterHelp. Y'all, 2020 has been hard, so hard. We're facing challenges that we couldn't even have imagined a year ago. If you're struggling with your mental health, I encourage you to check out BetterHelp. It allows you to connect with a licensed professional counselor from home in a safe and private online environment. This means you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can start communicating in under 24 hours, though I do want to be clear, this isn't a crisis line. Your struggles may be different from the ones that your neighbors are facing. Through BetterHelp, you have access to broad expertise in the network so you can address your unique needs. You're not limited to what's available only in your local area. And the service is available for clients worldwide. You can check out testimonials posted daily on their site. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Best of all, it's truly an affordable option. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash clean. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash clean. Okay, well, let's talk about um, house size because you mentioned moving. I, I think, tempor- like you said, I think a lot of us, the temporariness, is that right? Is that a word? Temporary. That sounds right. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The temporary nature of life or, you know, knowing that I, I know for me, anytime I felt like I was in a transitional space, I justified keeping so much more. So I know that you've settled into your house now. How long have you been there? You've been here seven years. Okay. But did you get to a point where you were able to get rid of stuff before you got to that house or what do you wish you would have done differently in the moving from place to place. You kind of mentioned about how you had to trust that you could find a great deal later, but. Yeah. What happened was we moved from a larger rental into this fixer upper, which was smaller. We couldn't even move a lot of the things into our house when we moved here because we were, the kitchen was like demolished. So Mm -hmm. we only had to have the bare essentials because everything would get drywall dust on it. And I knew that I knew myself, I wasn't going to clean up drywall dust. So we just had like the barest of essentials in the house. And that's when I, that's what convinced me to become a cozy minimalist because it was so simple and like made, it just changed my life. It made it feel so simple. I, and I had been writing about home for years. I already had written my first book, but I didn't realize the effect that a simple house could have on my psyche. And I was kind of forced to do it. And I had stuff sitting in lucky for us, lucky for us, maybe, maybe not. We had a barn. It was like an old tractor barn. And that's where we put all our stuff while our house was being redone. Well, guess what? Well, while some of our stuff was in that barn being saved, some of our precious stuff 
mice got to it. Uh, it leaked, mm-hmm. so rain got to it. So I had all this stuff I had to find a way to get rid of. I had to like pay to get rid of it. And it, the, I think those lessons are the best. Like I don't regret that because sometimes it has to burn for you to remember like, oh, I'm not doing that again. And I still yeah. find fall into the trap because when I see a gorgeous chair for $35, oh, it just kills me not to buy it and bring it home. I, I wish it were just like a small little candle, but I have this thing for chairs for some reason. I have a thing for chairs. I have a thing. It's bad. And my husband is like, seriously, Dana. So I've gotten to this point where I do have one spot available that I could get another chair. But I, I try to explain to him, I'm like, I will get rid of one. I'll get rid of the oldest, you know, and when my son went, he just moved into college and I was able to get him a recliner for his dorm room. Like it was the most happy because I was able to get it, um, not have it come yeah. to my house. <laughs> yes. But no. Okay. So what you just said is great. I mean, like I, that life experience, I think we've all been through similar things like that and having that perspective on it is great exactly what we need. So tell me, okay, so I, people may have seen your house on Instagram and you will often talk about, you know, it's smaller. I've been to your house. Thank you for having me there. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful and it's not, but it's not as big as it looks on Instagram. It's not. It's so funny. I've had people ask me if I use a filter to make my house look bigger. Like, is there one? Because I would love that. But no, I mean, my house isn't tiny, but it's not huge. It's about 2,000 square feet. And that includes a basement that we semi-finished. So it's it's a regular three-bedroom house. We don't have a dining room. It's just kind of open to the kitchen. We have three almost grown-up boys. They're all in college right now. But we have property, so that makes it work a little bit better. But yeah, it's it's fine. It forces me to have to make decisions about what is the most important to go in there. And I feel like I go in waves, like it gets full, full and then it drives me crazy. And then it gets to the point where I can't stand it and I'm forced to, okay, make some decisions. And then I kind of go, you know, down again. Um, I've realized that's just going to happen the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and so are you are you glad it's smaller than your house that you came from? Or, I mean, have you accepted it? Are you thankful for it? Like what, what's your perspective on that? I'm almost always glad. I mean, I don't really care about the size of my house at all, except when, um, you know, if my boys are here and their girlfriends are here and we all want to watch a movie together, sometimes, sometimes there's not enough seating for everyone. (laughs) So those are really the only times that I'm like, Oh, this house, like we need a little bit more room, but in the everyday life, it's fine. I mean, I your container theory, it just helped me accept like we have this container we have chosen and that we've been given. And so we'll, we'll make it work. It, it is totally a fine size. We look at our ancestors, like my grandparents never had a house this big. They had right. more kids and they were fine. Right. And I think it's always nice to me when decisions get made for me. And I feel like the size of my house makes a lot of clutter decisions for me. And that frees me up a little bit. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I agree. I know you've talked before about renting, you know, because we were talking about the temporariness of a space. So what about a renting, a rental space or a space where you cannot make it your dream space? That can be very paralyzing because it, you know, as you know, can make you feel like, what is the point? I can't do this the way I want to. So what's your best advice in those non-ideal situations? Well, we have rented more than we've lived in a house that we've owned. So I've had a lot of experience with that. My last um, rental, I wrote an entire book there, took all the photos there. 
it was even in Better Homes and Gardens. So I get to be the boss of yeah. no one gets to whine about living in a rental. There are, I feel like there's lots of things that go into us making changes in our home and control is one of them. You know, if we have control over pulling up the carpet and painting all the walls, then that definitely gives us more options. But also the time that we have, the creativity, the um, inspiration that we have, our budget, all of those things play a role and allow us to make changes in a house, even if it's a rental. And I totally believe in lovely limitations and that these limits on us, if you can't, if you don't have as much control and you can't paint the walls, what that does is it forces you to be more creative. And I believe there are, every house has potential. Every rental can be something that you love. You just might have to make the decisions differently. I know we switched out some lighting because we lived in our last rental for four years. So it wasn't like a little six month stint. Like we knew we were going to be there for a while. And so we changed some things that maybe I wouldn't have if we were going to be there just for a year. I brought in rugs and put over carpet, just some things that maybe I wouldn't have chosen. I thought, well, what can I do that I can take with me, but that will make this house feel like home? And one of the biggest lessons I learned from living in a rental was the first couple rentals we lived in, it just, you know, you move in, you're tired and you're not sure where to put all the art and are, you know, whatever, the clock I have on the wall and the mirror, things like that. And so I would just kind of let it lean on the wall behind the sofa. And what I realized was eight weeks into living in a rental, I still hadn't hung stuff on the walls, but we were moving in 10 months. And so what that meant was like 20 or 25% of the time of our life, I wouldn't have a decorated finished house because I was procrastinating. But when you're moving from rental to rental, if you have that lifestyle for a period of time, I didn't like that my kids would be like, oh, 25% of my childhood, I'm not going to have stuff on the wall. So it really helped me to be like, let's move in and let's just work in the right order. Cause I definitely believe there's a right order to make decisions. Um, but let's get this room like feeling like home so we can basically forget about it and move on. Let's get the drapes up. Let's get the sofa where I want it. Let's get the rug down. Let's get the stuff on the walls and let's move on with our life. And again, it all builds because even just doing that gives your room a specific look which then makes it easier to maintain, which then makes, you know, you more motivated to continue and go with the next room. And, and so I, I think that that build is really important and not because uh, that, you know, we lived in a rental when I was pregnant with my daughter. She's 14 now. And I have so many regrets about that house, you know, because for my boys, that was a year of their life when they were toddlers and they don't care about <laughs> what was on the walls or not was was the what was not on the walls or whatever but there aren't any homey happy memories of that house at least in my mind even because i just i did not see the point but then not seeing the point meant that i viewed it as a storage unit which meant that it was hard to live there which meant you know anyway yeah yes yeah okay. that makes sense Let's talk about seasonal decor because you, your book is separated into the seasons and seasonal decor scares me <laughs> a little bit. Well, I, you know, I'll tell you a little bit of it is I used to think, okay, Christmas is the thing I can justify buying and storing. But then that got out of hand because I let myself just say, okay, I can get stuff for Christmas. And then I used to think 
kind of bad of my grandma, not bad, like judging her, but I was always like, oh, that's so sad that she doesn't want to decorate for Christmas anymore. (laughs) And now I'm like, well, I'm only 46 and I'm already there. So what does that say about me? You know, because, because I'm just like, okay, what is the least that we can do and still have it look like Christmas? And so then there's all every year, I feel like I'm purging more and more stuff that I've had for years that comes down out of the attic. And anyway, so it's one of those things I don't have a handle on. So give me your philosophy on seasonal decor, which I know you've been sharing so much on Instagram lately and I love it. Like you're sharing your shopping trips and your thought processes in all the things you're not buying and what things are worth buying and all that. So tell me just your philosophy quickly of the seasonal decor and the storing of it and all that. Yeah, well, I love at the top of the show, you referred to it as a trap, which I thought was great. <laughs> Sorry. And, you know, I think that the messages that we have in the books that we have come out of a frustration. And my frustration was seeing a beautiful image on Instagram with pumpkins taking up a third of the stairway, trailing down the stairs, plastic pumpkins, and it getting 10,000 likes. And let me tell you, it was a beautiful image. I liked the, I double tapped the image. There was nothing wrong with that. But I felt like, is that like the gold standard? Like that's how we're decorating for fall now is every surface of our house has to be overflowing with store-bought decor that has to be stored because I know I'm the same as you getting out those bins at Christmas. There have been years where that felt like a really big burden and just another thing I had to do. And that's exactly why I'm like, I am a koozie minimalist because I mean, you said it and I feel like you said it almost like with, not shame, but like, oh, is there, you know, can I just do have the least amount I can do and still have it feel like Christmas? Yes. Like that is the goal. (laughs) What is the least amount of of store-bought stuff I have to buy and store away for 12 months out of the year? Christmas, it's more like, well, it's 11 months out of the year, but what can I, what's the least amount I can get away with and still have this feeling for my family that feels like we are honoring the season? Like what a great goal. I think that it's a wonderful, goal to have. And so for me during most of the seasons, I don't want to have any decor because I'm lazy. I don't want to have to pack it away. I know that instead of getting my fall bin out, I'll just go to Hobby Lobby and buy more stuff. If that's what I'm going to decorate with is just like all this visual decor. And so I really challenge myself to not have anything I have to pack away for most of the seasons, except during Christmas, which I can, I count as a celebration. I do have three bins of decor and you helped me with that because I knew the storage that I have and you say to take stock of that and then decide what your container limits are going to be. So I limit myself to three containers. And then I know if I find something adorable, if I don't have room to pack it away, then something in one of my containers has to go. Cause I've already made that decision. So that is very helpful to me. But, um, I'm definitely here to say that you you don't have to have a front porch that has 87 pumpkins on it or have a front porch with nothing. There is a middle ground where you can still feel like you are, you know, getting your kids excited for the season. And my kids for every holiday, mom, are you going to decorate for Valentine's Day? Like they loved that when they were little. And I, I like that too, but I didn't want it to feel like a burden. I certainly didn't want to have a part-time job of storing stuff and packing it away every season. And so, yeah, what the Welcome Home book is, is it walks us through the five senses and really talk about having seasonal supplies and kind of supporting actors just to the activities we're already 
doing that kind of layer in the season. And so before you know it, your home kind of feels like the season without relying on a bunch of store-bought visual decor that has to sit around, be babysat, and then be packed away. Give me an example of something to use to decorate for fall, because we're heading into fall now, that you will not store away. Fall candles. I will use them up and then I'm done with them. Okay. Or Because I have candles that uh-huh. I have had for... Nope. 15. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> candles are not a decoration. Candles are okay. a consumable. You are supposed to light them. If okay. you're not lighting them, you're not doing... It's like having a car and not driving it. That's not what candles are for. Okay. They're to be lit. See? I'm so yes, bossy. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> your candles you're are right, though. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, they're you're, not a decoration. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, so give me some other examples of... I know you've talked about buying real pumpkins as opposed to fake pumpkins, and give us that yes. philosophy. Okay, so I used to buy... I, I get so excited. I'm at the Goodwill. I see a cool, big, round plastic pumpkin that like looks great for you know a dollar fifty but then I'm having to store it and storing round things I don't know if you ever have stored a big hollow round thing but it takes up a bunch of room in a bin. Yeah. Uh and then of course the next fall I would forget that I had it and so I would go buy another one. And so now I tell myself no 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 I'm not buying any pumpkins or gourds that I have to store. Instead I'm gonna support my local farmer and I'm gonna get a statement pumpkin. I'm gonna let myself part of the cozy minimalist way is um allowing ourselves to decorate with one large item instead of 53 tiny little rinky dinky items. And that makes such a difference. It reads as style because it reads as a large risk in our house. So let's think if you have a vase that's like a 12 inch round circle compared to if you have a vase that's like an inch and a half, well, you're going to feel like if that's sitting on your mantle, you're going to feel like you need more stuff. And so as a cozy minimalist, I rely on fewer things, but some things are larger so that they have visual impact. And so one of the things I do is I do not buy pretend pumpkins and gourds, not because I think they're wrong. They're not. It's because I'm lazy and I don't want to store it. I don't want to think about it. So I will go to my local farmer's market as soon as they get pumpkins And I will let myself buy the most beautiful, the weirdest, the biggest pumpkin in whatever color I feel like that year. And that guy's going to sit on my porch. I might get one for my hearth and I might get one for my dining room table. And they sit there through Thanksgiving. So I'll probably be getting that this week. I have two months worth of decor. Then I throw it out to my chickens or in the woods when we're done. (laughs) And I don't have to store it away. Boom. Same with you do not need to be buying pretend leaves, the fall leaves at Hobby Lobby. We all have access to free fall stuff if we walk outside. Even if you don't have it in your yard, I've had many of our 14 houses that haven't really had much of a yard, but maybe in the neighborhood there was an empty lot with overgrowing, you know, pretty weeds, or maybe my mom had something, or the church parking lot, or something like that. I was always able to kind of forage for dried things. Even a broken branch with dried leaves on it looks great in the fall, and you throw it out when you're done. And so that's something I'm a big believer in. And it's not that pretend uh, foliage or anything like that is wrong. Again, I just didn't want to have to store it all year round. And so for me, that's the easier way out is to do that. And then another thing is, you know, when you think through the sense of touch. And so I make sure that I kind of trade out my blankets or my throw, like my throw on my sofa. In the summer, I have a thinner throw. And in the six months, like winter-ish time and fall, then I have a heavy throw. Now, that is something I store, but I don't have to put that in a decorative bin. Like that just folds up and goes in my linen closet, which makes it really easy. 
And it's there in case you needed it for some odd reason. I'm also thinking of, and it kind of makes me think of, you know, when you talked about um, trusting yourself that you're going to be able to find another great deal. You know, that's something for me that I tell myself is there is joy in the hunt of something. And if I keep it so that I don't have to risk not having it in the future, I'm also limiting myself from having that opportunity to go hunting for something, you know, good. (laughs) I'll never forget that. I'm, I'm giddy when I actually feel like I have a legitimate reason to go to a thrift store. Like, because I have to keep myself out of there because of all my issues, you know, (laughs) we're so, we're just too good at it. We're too good. That's the the problem. But when I, like, when I have a reason to go, it's exciting. And it was making me think of, um, uh, somebody had showed a picture of, I mean, the cutest little pumpkin craft that they had made. And it was with like paper bags and a dollar store pumpkin and all that. And when you're sitting here saying this, I'm like, the joy was in the making of it and the enjoying of it. And it was made out of a paper bag and a $1 pumpkin. I'm like, you can store that if you want, if you have the reason for it, or you can say, okay, well, I got the joy out of that. I'm going to get rid of it. And the next year I get to make something that I, you know, because the joy is often in that actual creating of it as opposed to knowing that you have it because knowing I have something doesn't bring me the joy. I think it's going to bring me. Oh, that I, this is where you insert the round of applause, um, sound, sound effect. That was so good, Dana. And I, don't we feel like we have to keep it forever if you made something with your kids, but you're so right. That's not where the joy is found. It's the process and in the doing of it. And then if you keep it for next year, you might be thinking you don't need to create something again the next year. I well, love that. Okay, good. I said something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everything you say is gold. Are you kidding me? Oh, you're so nice. Okay. All right. I had another question that I thought was really good. Now let me go see what it was. Uh, <laughs> oh, here we go. You have been, and, and I may be calling it the wrong thing, but you have been talking on Instagram about, is, do you call it a home-based tray? Yeah, I just call it a home base because it could be many things. So let me give you all my fears and then you can address all of my fears. Oh, well, we'll see. (laughs) So one of the things that you just said just a minute ago that really made me go, yes, yes. Okay. So like when I had those people come over to help me decorate, I love their houses. That's the reason that I had them. That's the reason I asked them to come help me. But I, one of the things I had to say was I cannot have a bunch of little things grouped together because that will morph into clutter for me. Like my brain won't realize that that was a display and I'll put something else and something else and a piece of paper and a desk cloth and, you know, it'll just turn into a pile. And so I really liked what you were saying about one big thing having the impact of making this space look decorated without a bunch of little things. Cause I, my brain can somehow handle keeping it one big thing. But when I've got seven different artfully arranged little things, my brain doesn't, I don't know. My, it just doesn't work well for me. That's above my clutter threshold. So I like the idea of the tray, which I am, I am getting better at my understanding of the value of having a tray in a certain place. Like we have one by the back door for, you know, keys and wallets and things. Not mine. I mean, 
I personally can't do that, but it's been very helpful for other members of my family. <laughs> my daughter, oh, bless her heart. She's 14. And the other day she's like, you know, mom, what if you just put your purse in the same place every time when you walked in the house? And I was like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Anyway, I have no I awareness of when I put my purse down. There's no awareness. Anyway, but, but you know, and then I, and then I have a, a basket by the front door for the dog leash and all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm so scared of a little decorative tray in every room turning into a random stuff goes in there and never comes out. Like, well, so let me ask you this, have your yes. decorative, has your decorative tray on the back porch turned into little random stuff? No, because I don't put anything in it. <laughs> it's only gotcha. for my well, I think it's important to know yourself. And if that yeah. doesn't work for you, first of all, you don't, there's no rule that says every house must have a decorative tray in every room, but I have found it works for me because I have I have a low threshold for small things. Like I tell myself, I have a personal rule when I'm, if I'm out and maybe I'm at the Goodwill or the antique mall and I see this cute decor for 79 cents, I won't let myself buy it if it's smaller than a pineapple because it won't have visual impact and it will clutter up my house. Now, do I own things already that are smaller than a pineapple? Yes. Do we have things that are functional in our home that we need that are smaller than a pineapple? Yes. Remote, sticky notes, pens, keys, uh, my room spray, uh, my votive candles, like we already have things. And so those are the things it's the decorative tray or the home base. So it might be like a slab of wood, or I have like a piece of petrified wood, like all these different tray type things are my own solution to the fact that I need a place to gather small things. And so the tray acts as that one large visual gatherer, but the stuff in it is functional stuff. It's not just like, I'm going to set all these beautiful, pretty things here. Now I make sure they're beautiful and pretty because I want everything in my house to be pretty or else I'll hate it. Mm -hmm. So I want my room spray to be in a pretty bottle. I want the thing that my keys are in, it's going to be a covered basket. So I don't have to look at keys all day. I want the bowl that holds loose change to be pretty so that when I look at it, I'm not just looking at pennies. So it's a gatherer, like think about next in your bathroom. Like I have a couple things that always sit out in my bathroom, but I don't want them just, it feels messy to me if they're just on the sink, but those same exact things, if they're just put on a home base on a little tray or something, suddenly feel like they have more purpose and I don't want to mess it up. I'm not as like, like the thought of like leaving something out on my counter, somehow it tricks myself into putting stuff away. Cause I'm like, oh, well that stuff belongs on the home base and then everything else I don't want to just leave it on the surface itself. So I guess I'll just throw it in my drawer and I, it works. Well, it work. so what I'm, okay. So here's what I'm, this is my brain working as you're talking. Flat surfaces are like kryptonite for me and for my people. So having a home base on the flat surface is like letting there be a container and not having the flat surface itself be the container. Yeah. So exactly. It, so it gives me a defined because sometimes yeah. things have to go on flat surfaces, but sometimes then I get scared because yeah. I'm like, well, if one thing goes on there, then everything else is going to be attracted exactly. to it. You know. <laughs> so having the home base defines. Yep. Yeah, defines this is the space on there, and I, I have a functional container in my bathroom, but this is making me think maybe I need to do a prettier container because it's just a plastic thing. And 
my friend that recommended it, she was like, well, it makes it easier because then you just move that to clean under it. But I'm like, so that's functional. Yeah. It attracts random stuff where if it was pretty, I don't know if I trust myself or not, but yeah, I think you should experiment and see. I know for me, I can, I'm easily tricked. And if something looks pretty, then I don't want to mess it up. And so when you, if that's true for you, it's a great trick to play on yourself because Mm -hmm. I'm so motivated by like, oh, I want that to stay pretty. Yeah. That it's worth it for me to get the pretty one. Okay. That's helpful. I had just been seeing it and it was making me nervous because I thought, I don't, I don't know if well, I can do that or not. You don't have to do it, but I hate to bring it to you. You're already doing it. <laughs> I know. Well, no, I, I think it's, it's actually very helpful. I just, I, you know, so many times it comes down to, well, I feel like I tried that before and it failed for me, Right. but Sometimes if you can just tweak the, oh, okay, let me look at it in this way. Yes. And that gives well, and me the hope me, to try it again. Let me tell you, Dana, where I do and don't do it. I don't do okay. it on my kitchen island. No, that is a work surface. So my kitchen island does not have anything decorative that lives there. When my kitchen island is in its uh, natural state, technically it should be empty. Is it empty right now? No, because it's in use. We're using it to store a bunch of crap. But at the end of the day, I clear it off and nothing, I don't have a tray of beautiful things that sit on my kitchen island. Now next to my stove, I have my salt cellar. I have my olive oil. I have a couple things that we use so often that they need to be sitting out, but they are in a tray so that I know my boundaries. My coffee table does not have a tray on it because I would do the same thing. I would fill it up with 10 million things that like, oh, the mail, oh, you know, the plug for my camera. I would fill it up with my nail polish, whatever I use that day. So my coffee table, I call it a Desi, a designated empty surface. Yippee, I put a Y on the end of it. Um, So my coffee table is a Desi, which means in its natural state, it doesn't have anything decorative on it. But during the day when we're using it, I might have a puzzle or a cat or a load of laundry or whatever, but that's not where I put the tray. I put the tray kind of in an out of the way surface that I'm tempted to decorate anyway, that probably needs some decor, but also needs some function. And so it's like on a dresser kind of in the back of my room, that's where I have my living room tray or home base. And so I have one in my living room. I have one in my office. I have one next to the stove and I have one on my bathroom sink. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And I don't do them. The first step is not to decorate. It's not like, how can I decorate with a tray? It's no, how can I solve this function problem of there's some little things I need at my reach in this area and I, I need to gather them. And so it's, it's solving that problem. And then I want it to look good. I, it will look good. Cause I, I know if it looks bad, I'll just hate it. Okay. That's good. Okay. We're actually running out of time because I told your PR person that I would not go over an hour. No, I'm just kidding. She just asked how long, but anyway, you may have other (laughs) interviews coming up because your book is coming out next week. This was so much fun, Dana. Oh my gosh. I do have one more question though. Okay. What is an assumption that people make about your message that you have to correct on a regular basis? (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. That's so good. I do think that they think my house is big and clean all the time. (laughs) And it's the opposite. (laughs) Uh, I will on Instagram, you are only going to see clean images because uh, I found that my people are so visual that that's what they're instantly attracted to. And then I use stories. I use my blog. I use my email list. And that's where I share like, okay, now here's the behind the scenes. Here's the real stuff. Um, But yeah, that's good. Well, is there anything else you want to tell us? Tell us again. I'm not sure when this is going to come out. It may be the week 
Your book comes out on September 15th, right? It does. Yes. Okay. And then this may come out the following week. Um, so it's probably going to, well, it'll definitely already be out by the time that this comes out. So tell us again, what the name of the book is, where to find it, all that kind of stuff. Oh, where to find well, you. you. Yes. Well, it's called Welcome Home. You can find it anywhere books are sold. Um, and you can you can come hang out with me at thenester.com or on Instagram, the Nestor is my handle. Awesome. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dana. You guys, didn't you just love the Nestor, Michaelin? I enjoyed talking to her so much. And I appreciated her taking the time to talk to us. Um, Go check out Welcome Home. I'm going to have the link for that in my show notes and the link to her on all of her social medias and all those different places where you can find her. So um, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for joining us. And I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye.